in a world crying out for a top 10 show. John Roca and Matt Nost are here to bring you the top 10. Take it away, boys. What's up, everybody, and welcome to a brand new episode of the Top 10. I am John Roca. And uh, I am Matt Nost. We're recording this a little bit earlier than we normally do because uh, we have our national holiday of Thanksgiving on Thursday. So uh, we sent out a message to the patrons for our live show. Please join us on uh, Monday for this. So hopefully you guys can make it here for that. Uh, But you looking forward to Thanksgiving? I am. Yeah, I'm I'm here alone. Uh, Lindley's gone up north to California. To be with her mom, um, and uh, she's, I, you know, I just, I didn't want to go up. And we talked about it. We looked at it, the finances, because we'd have to stay in a hotel for a number of days, because we're not staying at her mom's house. Her mom's house is just not a place that neither of us can stay at. So that's what that was going to be the plan, but she hasn't seen her mom for Thanksgiving in a while. So I was just like, I, I don't want to go up. You go up. It's no big deal. I'll just hang out and watch football all day on Thursday. Really, Thanksgiving is not that big of a deal to me. So it's like, for me, it's not a big deal. It was Christmas. That's a whole other conversation. But Thanksgiving is no big deal. You know, we take a little bit of a break from each other for a week. She's up there. I'm down here. It's nice, but, uh, you know, I'm going to miss her on Thanksgiving. But then that's pretty much it. What about you? What do you, what do you got going on? i uh, going to go visit uh, family. My mom's side of the family does big Thanksgiving every nice. every other year. And we haven't made it uh, in a long, long time. Sure. So, and it looks like so long as one person can make it happen, uh, everybody will be there for the first time. And probably like, I don't even know the last time. Wow. So yeah, it'll be, it'll be a shitload of people, but <laughs> there's numerous cousins, I guess, second cousins, my cousin's kids that I haven't yeah. met. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, so there's tons of family that I have yet to actually meet probably at this point. Uh, one, two, three, four, four. Wow. So, uh, it'll be nice. I, you know, catch up, say hello, meet the kids, all that stuff. Yeah. Yeah. That's good. I, I mean, um, I don't even know what the games are on Thanksgiving. Is there, is there a bunch of games? Is there three games on Thanksgiving? Uh, I haven't looked either. I mean, obviously the lions are playing and the Cowboys are playing. Yeah. I guess the lions are playing the bills. The Cowboys are playing the giants. That's a big game for the NFC East and the Patriots are taking on the Vikings. Interesting, interesting games. I mean, dangerous games, I think all around are are the Patriots ready to win two in a row. Do the Vikings, are they a little shell shock from the Cowboys game? I mean, Cowboys giants is basically for first or for second place in the NFC East. And then, the Lions have been, they've won two in a row. So, or is it three in a row? Because they beat the Giants. So, will they play spoiler to the Bills? So, it's in Detroit as well. Could be very interesting, man. Could could be a good day of games. Hopefully, that's the case. <laughs> Sorry, yeah, I'm getting over. over. I had fucking food poisoning yesterday. So, oh, I'm like, shit. Is that what are you a little rundown? Oh, dude, I, I think I was awake for maybe eight hours yesterday. Maybe. Holy shit. It wasn't the most violent food poisoning, like the reaction my body had. 
Right, right. But the aftermath is easily the worst. I think well, I've ever what, experienced. Oh, the, the, like the, the muscle aches and all that shit? Yeah, yeah, yeah. The net, like, it happened Saturday night, technically Sunday morning. Right, right, right. And uh, just no bueno and didn't keep anything down. And then yesterday, it was just like, I, I was awake for like an hour and then yeah. fell asleep for three hours. And then I watched a movie and managed to stay awake for all of that. And then fell asleep for a few hours and then watched another movie and then fell asleep for wow. a few hours and then got up and watched something else and then fucking slept until <laughs> this morning. It's not. And even today, I feel run down. Like I tried to have breakfast and my stomach was like, I don't know about this. <laughs> Look, buddy, we got to eat something. You gotta, we gotta do something. We can't just run on empty. <laughs> just take it slow. Then yeah, please just bite. come on, work with me here. I'm not trying to fucking gorge you. This is mostly fruit is what we're having. This is easily digestible stuff. <laughs> yeah. So, do you know what it was? Uh, one of so I had dinner out from one of my favorite restaurants. Oh, okay. And then I had a snack, technically dessert after that. Okay. Okay. Uh, so it's one of those two things. And if it's the dinner, it's one of my favorite restaurants. And if it's the snack, that's fine. I can just cut that out, but I won't be having either for quite a long, quite a long time. <laughs> that's what, that's what food uh. does. It took me forever to come back and eat mushrooms. Cause I got food pointing from mushrooms on a burger one time. And, wow. Really? Yeah. And, uh, I was like wrecked for two days. So, uh, I swore off mushrooms for years. Only recently have I started to like now into my eating. Was it the fact that as you're purging this from your body, basically that's what you could taste and smell. So that yes. you associate. Yeah. So you don't know if it was technically the mushrooms. I'm going to go ahead and go out on a limb and guess it was the mushrooms. Yeah. Well, if it was on a burger, I would guess the burger. You would. Okay. Right. <laughs> yeah. Considering it's a, you know, a fucking raw meat that had been cooked up, there's a, a higher chance of equal. Well, I had multiple or... burgers since that time and I had not had the Pope. Sure, sure. But <laughs> just saying the statistical likelihood. Fair point. I just wanted to blame the mushrooms. Yeah, was it? Because that I could swear off over meat. I could swear that off over burgers a lot easier. Yeah, I had a, when I was a kid, Yeah, I got sick off this Oreo cake. Oh damn! Yeah, well, <laughs> being, a a you, being a dumb kid, I was like seven. Uh, had it got sick that night, the next night for dessert, there was still Oreo cake, so I had more Oreo cake. And then I got sick again, but I couldn't eat Oreos for like a decade. Oh my just, god, really? The smell wow. and the taste reminded me of those wow. two nights, <laughs> and I don't know what was in it. Obviously, it can't be the Oreos. It right, was something right, right. else. But uh yeah, for ye I mean for years I fucking yeah. hated Oreos. Now who doesn't love an Oreo? But of course, of course. Uh I had that way with the uh, orange jello. Um huh. because way back in the way back in the 90s, I think, you'd go see the dentist and they would take molds of your teeth or they would do or they would try to clean your teeth in certain ways. I can't remember what it was, but I was at the dentist and they had us do this mold and it was an orange flavor, like gelatinous liquid that you were putting your teeth into. And the taste of it was so horrific that it stuck with me forever. And I, to this day, I don't eat 
orange jello because I see it and I immediately have a like a PTSD response or and not to make a lot of that term, but like basically a response like that. Like I see it immediately, my mouth goes, oh, like it just uh as an abhorrent sound. But like red jello, no problem. Green jello, no problem. But that orange jello, no thanks, man. When was the last time you had jello? I eat jello, man. That's a good snack. Are you really? It's lightweight. It's a good snack. <laughs> All right. If you like jello it, and- I couldn't tell you the last time I had jello. So <laughs> jello and pudding. Those are the two things that I've discovered that when I need my sugar fix, those are easier things for me to reach for than like the bag of candy that I get from Costco all the time, which I try to not dive into that bag too often. So, um, so I bought jello and pudding so that I could have that as kind of a dessert that isn't too heavy. So sure. that's, that's what I'd mentally tell myself anyway. There was a pudding store what? shop by us. What? And given the location, what? the rent had to be through the fucking roof. Wow. Cause it was in a prime location. You're like, right. how, how much pudding do you have to sell? To exist here, and they were delayed opening. They only lasted a couple months, and then they shut down. It's like no shit. How yeah, much pudding. fucking pudding? Yeah. Plus, you're opening in a what I would imagine there are quite a a dense population of Latinos in the area where you live. We're not known to be good with milk in our guts. There's a lot of lactose intolerant Latinos, so I can't imagine we would gravitate to pudding necessarily. So uh, it doesn't make sense. Yeah, be curious to know. There are definitely Latinos in my neighborhood, but I don't think it's Latino centric. Oh, okay. Um, you know, we gentrified. We took over. Whitey came back. So, but it's like a pocket. If you go X number of blocks over, yeah, then it yeah. turns into a very heavily Latino right neighborhood. Whitey's I mean, bad. I went and got my hair cut at a place that only one dude spoke English, and he had to translate <laughs> for all the other barbers. So yeah, there are areas around. Yeah, there. But I mean, I still had to drive like ten minutes. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, you gotta yeah, drive yeah. ten minutes everywhere in L.A., man. You gotta drive ten minutes to the fucking Seven Eleven on the corner. It's crazy, L.A. Well, I think that's kind of anywhere in Southern California. Not, not here. It's a car culture. Well, yeah, but you know, you live in a a white enclave of San Diego. <laughs> That's everything actually is... very Asian and white, and I've seen more uh, of the of the um, Arab pers- Persian persuasion around as well. So it's a nice mix. It's a nice mix of people. So it's we're I think we're in that pocket that's a bit more diverse than other pockets and other areas. I mean, finding out that the guy who committed the shooting is the grandson of one of the reps here in San Diego has really has really angered me man i mean just hearing the stories behind it so there are areas of san diego that are quite red um but um but where we are it's a little more diverse so which i like yeah i think fucking psychotic people come from everywhere yeah unfortunately true so um anyway uh what did you watch what two movies did you watch do you want to say Oh, I watched uh, See How They Run, and okay. I think that was what it's called. The Which one's that one? The Sam Rockwell. Um, oh, oh, the Mystery Detective one, yeah, on HBO yeah. Max, yeah. 
Yeah, it was all right. It was fun. Yeah, I heard it was okay. Not great, just okay. And uh, The Accountant with Ben Affleck. That was good. I liked that movie. That was not good. You did not like it? Really? Oh, man. Dude, there are some glaring plot holes. (laughs) And then what they're setting up for the big, oh, like, dude, if you don't see this coming from a mile away. Twist. Yeah. Well, as you're a bit, you know, I don't don't want to say too much if you've never seen it. Sure, 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 sure. But I was like, of course. (laughs) Of course. Um, It's still entertaining. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But like, I... I was watching it and I, I had to rewind because I was like, hold on, did I miss something? Am I fucking that hazy? Because all of a sudden, out of nowhere, the plot just completely changes. Yeah. 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 And there's no setup. There's no explanation. There's nothing. <laughs> and uh, it's like, okay. All right. I don't know whose choice that was. Right. I mean, it's a, in the grand scheme of the movie, it's not that big. It, it does change the action and the trajectory. Yeah. Uh and it just fucking out of nowhere. It was it was fine. I liked it. There was a sequel, a kind of sequel, but I can't remember what it was called. I think it's the one with oh, I can't remember. I don't want to guess. Robert Haley says, see how they run with Sam Rockwell, like he didn't star in it and know exactly what it's called. Now oh, there you go. <laughs> Trying to play humble. Matt trying to be humble about his films. I was already speaking in the third person about myself. I figured that was far enough. More than enough. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, uh, did I, I haven't seen anything yet. Well, I'm going to see Fableman's tonight as we're recording this um, and see if that's any good. But I, to be honest with you, dude, I'm a little burnt out. All these screenings, all these films, it's just like a lot. Um, we're in award season, man. I know, dude. Wednesday's dropping in a couple of days. Um, I skipped out on a Strange World screening because I I imagine that'll be on Disney Plus. I'll watch it then. And um, I can't remember what else was recent, and I didn't I didn't go see it. Oh, um, yeah, and I haven't seen Babylon. I imagine I will at some point, but I'm not looking forward to a three hour Damien Chazelle film. As much as I love Chazelle for First Man. I also don't like La La Land, so three hours of a film like that about Hollywood going crazy. I don't know. I don't know. I was intrigued, and then I saw the trailer, and I was like, oh. (laughs) I was, once they announced it, I was like, oh, that sounds, you know, First Man might not be my full cup of tea, but that's got moments, and it's beautifully shot. Sure. And it takes advantage of an incredible score, and. La La Land, I think if you cut the first 45 minutes off, the rest of that movie is uh, fantastic. Oh, fair. Okay, fair. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because that yeah. whole, yeah, dancing. Will they, the won't they? Oh, yeah, man. once it's just like, yeah, we're going to start dating, that's when I think the movie finally takes off. Gotcha. It's like okay. 40, 45 minutes okay. of nonsense. <laughs> um, At least, at the very least, condense it down to like 10 to 15 minutes. Yeah. Right. Exactly. She works on the lot so we can have that tie back in later. I got you. And other small things here, but uh, yeah. Yeah. He makes at the very least an interesting movie. So I was intrigued and I saw that trailer and I was like, I don't, I don't know. I'm still going to see it. But at the same time, I was hyped about Amsterdam when I just read the description. Oh, you get that cast. You got David O. Russell. It's an interesting concept and uh, the execution. Yeah. You know, that thing sank like a stone, man. Yeah, it had potential Oscar buzz written all over it. 
I mean, Armageddon time is not doing that well. And then she said barely only made $2 million, $2.2 million. I I saw people talking about that where it's like, oh shit, that's, this is tanking. Yeah. Why is this tanking? And the speculation as to why a movie like that would tank. I love people saying we're over it. (laughs) What do you mean you're over it? What are you over exactly? The court case is still happening. What are you talking about that we're past it or we're over it? So, but it's such an excellent movie. It is an excellent movie. And I think it's just coming out in the wrong year when people just don't give a shit. Cause I mean, the menu made 20 million and the fact that she said, can't even make 3 million is beyond shocking, man. Like where are the adults coming out to see this? Are they not in the mood to see these kinds of movies during award season anymore? I don't know. You know, and someone was asking, well, do people even care? And, I wonder because a lot of these films are going to be nominated or films that people haven't seen. And I wonder if that's, there's going to be enough of them again this year where people just really start tuning out. Well, I think Top Gun Maverick will get nominated. We'll see. They, they need it for the ratings. Right, great. But are they going to fix it? So it gets nominated. I don't know. Yeah. Why wouldn't they? I it seems in their best interest to have, the largest blockbuster of the year, a movie that is generally exceedingly well-regarded. Yeah, but you know how snooty critics can be. Sure. Even the the critics we've met and we know can be snooty about, like, nominating Top Gun Maverick for a best picture over, you know, something else. Yeah. I think if if you were trying to say Tom Cruise would get nominated, that's that's a bridge too far. That's a bit harder. I agree. Yeah. Yeah. Whereas he should be considered, but no, yeah, you're right. Since there's 10 films possibly up for nomination. Yeah. I don't see why it doesn't get the nom. Yeah. That, like Woman King. Oh, uh, yeah, but it just a couple others are like, they did well at the box office. It it mixes things up a little bit. Yeah, yeah. And do something like that. Maybe uh, uh, Wakanda Forever, depending on what it does box office-wise, but the I reception has been strong enough. Yeah. yeah, I think it's possible. Like there, uh, I saw Mendelssohn's uh, predictions on Forbes or maybe the rap and he's looking at the tracking now and he thinks it looks like it's just going to do 850, 850 million, which is not bad for a sequel without your main actor who died. Yeah. Um, but, you know, you would want to come and really hit that billion mark. So we'll see. Maybe Thanksgiving weekend. People will go in wow. mass to go see it multiple times. You know? With Iger back, you know, that would have gotten a billion. <laughs> what a smart move by Disney. We're just going to drop this on a Sunday night. And by the time Monday morning, you're going to be caught up doing other things. There's a World Cup game going on. There's a shooting that people still navigating through. People got to get to their jobs. It has not. It, it, it's so smart. It did not blow up and consume the uh, conversation during an, an entire day, right? It, last night people were talking about it, and then into the day, people are already moving on with yeah, other things and wondering what to do. It's smart move by Disney, really smart. And we'll see, we'll see yeah. how much of a difference it actually makes. Yeah, I mean, he just made one too many. We you know we talked about it weeks ago or months ago on Geek Buddies. We're like, how many more mistakes is this guy going to be allowed to make? And then when they re-upped him for three years, we're like, okay, I guess they're doubling down on this guy. And seeing what happens because so much is going to streaming and they really want to make streaming work. But I think they figured, I think they're 
it seems from some of the analysis that their stock prices, stock price was going down. The general feeling people had about phase four, the anger about some of the mistakes that Chapik made eventually just kind of hit that wall. And uh, I tweeted something because I, I, from a reputable journalist saying that Chapik was supposed to apparently introduce the Elton John concert last night. He was supposed to host mm. the concert. And when everyone was getting those emails, they were getting those emails from Iger on the way to the concert, all these executives. And they replaced um, Chapik at the last minute with the host that you, that, I don't know if, it, if anybody's listening, saw it with the uh, um, the young woman that they that hosted. And she came in to host the whole thing. And so I was like, damn, man, they fucking did him like Pesci. They sort of thought he was a made guy. And then they figuratively shot him in the head um, right there, right, right before he came on the stage. What which- if it's like one of those things where he finally just pissed the board off to no end, but mm-hmm. he had been talking up the fact that he gets to host this yeah. for so long. And they're like, that's where I'm sticking the knife in, buddy. This is where I'm sticking the knife in. He's taking like, this know- away. The don't say gay stuff is finally going to wash off of me because I'm going to introduce a gay icon at his final concert at Dodger Stadium. I'm going to do it. And like, <laughs> do, do, do. Yeah, just right shake, in the back. Just American meet his ass right over the railing. Oh, and then uh, tomorrow we're going to roll out a, at Disney Parks. It's $10 to look at Mickey. All right, man. <laughs> Fucking... A lot of the park stuff is what got me. It's like, dude, you used to run this, and now it's just turned into how can we bring every last cent out of people who are already paying through the nose to visit us? Yeah. I mean, that Star Cruiser thing was a complete bust. Oh, colossal failure. Yeah, yeah. The people that got the advanced, like they got to go and they got the free experience, these are the most diehard of diehard fans, and their reviews were, it's good, I'd never pay for this. (laughs) Yeah. And you're like, you're the target demographic for this. Yeah. You got it for free. And it wasn't yeah. enough for you to glowingly say, oh, it's great. I mean, it was three to six grand to sit in, to sleep in bunk beds in an yeah. enclosed tight room. Like it made no fucking sense. No fucking sense. Yeah. yeah to watch actors <clears throat> run around and. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's fucking Be immersive in the world. It's like dinner theater that, at that point. <laughs> I'd say it sounded like hell on earth. I would never do that for a million years. Yeah. I'd like to visit it, go check it out, but like stay and then go, oh, you could be part of the rebellion or this, and you get sucked into these missions. I, <laughs> if it were a child, 100%. I think oh, that's a great idea. Yeah, of course. For the adults, it's just like, I'm not sure what, how much suspension of disbelief do you need for yeah. you to get engrossed enough to buy into this to justify paying this much money? Tommy, just fucking tell me where the bathroom is. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> you, no, you can't. Or you got to come up with a different name for it. All Jedi speak until you. I have. Yeah, we've never seen anyone use the bathroom what in is, Star Wars. What is a bathroom? I was like, exactly. Bitch. Yeah, I agree. <laughs> Dinner theater. <laughs> uh, anyway, um, well, we're here to count down the uh, top 10 films set in San Francisco. Um, because of the movie, what movie's coming out that uh, is connected? It's connected to San Francisco. Yeah, it's tangentially connected to San Francisco. I think yeah. it's Marlowe with Liam Neeson. Oh yes, yes, Bay City. Yeah, it's set in Bay City, yeah, and we're yeah. like, well, that's city by the bay is San Francisco. It's that's as descriptive as it gets as Bay City. So they're trying to not specifically put it anywhere. 
Um, we just decided, well, we'll we'll set it in San Francisco. Seems seems like that's what they're logically trying to get you to do anyway. Yeah. Without having to overtly say it. So we decided San Francisco. We troubleshot our way all the way over there and we got there to San Francisco. So that's what we're going with today. Top 10 movies set in San Francisco. Um, and then we got shout outs, right, Matt, later on? We have uh, shout outs at the end of the show. And uh, so stay tuned for that. Yeah. But uh, so the way the show works, once we set a topic, we go our individual ways and create personal top 10 lists. Show back up here. I do my bottom three. He does his bottom three. I do my next two. He does his next two. Then we trade one apiece. Once we have revealed our personal top 10 list, we create the shows between the two of us. All right. Matthew Nost, what do you got at 10? Um, really good list of movies to choose from. I agree. There's a lot. And I had to lobby for some of them to get on my list. Yeah, I threw in uh, at, at least one oddball. Mm, okay. It's my number 10, which is I would sincerely doubt it's on your list. Okay. Just nothing. Not saying you're not a fan of the film, but mm. uh, Inner Space. Oh, great choice. With Short and Meg Ryan and Quaid. Yeah. Love that uh, movie from the 80s. Oh, I saw it in the theater as a kid. Flat out. Loved it. I've seen it since. It's still good. I think it is much better seed as a kid film. Oh, yeah. Fair enough. Uh, then, you know, if you've never seen it and you want to go, if you love Martin Short, I think it's a good Martin Short movie. Yes. Um, and basically the gist of it is there's a technology that can shrink uh, people down to just an almost infinitely tiny size. Yeah. And Dennis Quaid gets shrunk down and gets put in this like this spaceship type thing but it's meant to go inside the human body but he gets injected into martin short yeah and he can talk to martin short from inside but meanwhile there's people that are trying to uh capture short and quaid to get the technology to take advantage of the, of it for themselves yeah um but it's i mean it's martin short just like go ahead and do whatever you want to do chew the scenery in numerous scenes yeah. uh, over the top it's actually a nice bit of heart between him and meg ryan as he yeah. kind of falls for her a little bit but she's yeah. already in love with uh dennis quaid it walks that line so well without crossing it without crossing yeah. it, which i think it, yeah helps the film a lot um but just being especially at that point yeah a huge sucker for martin short uh i was happy to see martin short in another movie at that age yeah yeah uh because there are other guys that were getting run from the SCTV tv world yeah candy and, eugene levy yeah Candy was the bigger one. Dave Thomas, Moranis, Flat, Moranis, Joe Flaherty. They tried uh, all Catherine O'Hara. Yeah, Catherine O'Hara. Right, right. Andrea Martin. They're all. I think other than Flaherty, they're all kind of tangentially or uh, straight up working uh, still in the business. Because obviously Catherine O'Hara was Schitt's Creek. Yeah, and, and then I saw uh, Andrea on Curb Your Enthusiasm this recent season. No, no, no. I'm sorry. Murders in the building. Only murders in the building. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, surprisingly good show. Damn good show, man. Right. And I love that they're half hour episodes. Oh my god. Yeah. So so bingeable, so consumable. But it's great. Yeah. Martin Short effortlessly steals every scene he's in for me. It's the best Martin Short performance he's ever done. Ever. Quite possibly. Because he doesn't default to his Martin Shortisms, which is to overdo it in every scene to get the laugh it's much more subtle and he's fucking knife knife oh, sarcasm 
Well, that's that's one of my favorite parts is the fact that they have a friendship and they already do this. Like, have you ever seen them right. in interviews, especially yeah. Martin Short, when the topic of Steve Martin comes up, he'll he'll take jabs. Yeah, but they have like a a Broadway esque show. It's a two man show that the two of them do. Oh, really? I didn't know that they have a show. Yeah, it was playing oh, in Vegas, cool. and I think they go around to other cities. That's cool, man. I didn't. Know um, that. so that type of invective wit mm-hmm. that he already does at Steve carries over into the show. Right. Plus he gets to play the failed actor slash director. Oh, and so good. I love it. When you see an actor play a failed actor, it's usually, <laughs> it's usually fantastic. Yes, it is. I almost always like an actor playing an actor. It's because <laughs> who gets the foibles of those type of individuals better. Yeah, obviously. <laughs> But yeah, inner space is purely just a. I I could watch Martin Short. I'm even a sucker for things like Clifford, which is not oh, a good yeah. movie. The Groden movie. Yeah. Well, there's that one, and then Pure Luck. I'm oh, a fan yeah, of Pure Luck. Right, right. Movie sucks. Yeah, yeah. I like Martin Short so much. I'm more than happy to watch it. And Joe Dante directed it. Who did you know Gremlins, and a few of these other '80s kind of mm-hmm. tentpole films that people like so um yeah it's a i remember enjoying that movie isn't there a scene where he's like running in the street naked or something like i forget but he's like he got because he comes out of his body i don't remember and i think he's running in san francisco naked i can't remember what it's like he's trying to cover himself or whatever because he's chasing meg ryan um oh yeah no i that that yes right something like i believe so yeah it's a version of like Fantastic Voyage from back in the '60s. The idea of you can be shot into someone's body as this like miniaturized thing, um, and it's very funny. It's very funny. So yeah, I remember and the sweetness of Meg Ryan and Dennis Quaid, which was a real thing. You know. So. Um. All right. What's your nine? Uh, my nine is the game, the David Fincher film. Ooh, good choice, bro. Go ahead, man. Go ahead. Um, I know it's not a favorite of everybody i'm not saying people don't like it but they have their issues with it yeah and you know it is you got to stretch to really buy that someone a company could set up all this yeah and get away uh, with it and not get and sued. get away with it yeah exactly yeah. no one dies uh but yet like as as you're going through with it yeah. or going through it rather it feels very real oh yeah and then how much do you want to spoil, I guess? Because is the game a movie people have seen? I, I It's 30, It's 25 years old. Yeah, fair enough. I don't think it's Top Gun where people are running out to see it. So anyone who doesn't want it spoiled, I guess, fast forward a few minutes. And then we'll sure. Pick up from there. So the actress, I can't remember her name. She had a run there in the late nineties. Yeah, Deborah Deborah Cara Unger. Okay, I yeah. knew she was from Europe. That's the best I could have told you, bro. I've been wait- I waited years for someone to ask me about her on Shmoda. It never happened, but yeah, she's great in that film. When she's explaining to him later on, oh, when we went into the water and there was that broken uh, crank for the window, we had divers outside. Yeah. And when this was happening, we had this. Like, it was all carefully orchestrated. <laughs> but you have to kind of take her at her word. Yeah, yeah. That it was. But when he first walks into his house and the television starts talking to him. Dude. That's what sucked me into this movie. It's like, oh, shit. They've really, 
gone, you know, full bore. Yeah. Because there's that uh, that doll with the camera in the eye, and that's what he figures out. Yeah. But the amount of setup and time, I mean, it would cost, as Sean Penn says later on, the amount of money. But yeah, to, it would be astronomical. Oh my god, oh, through yeah. the roof. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. But when he finds that actor at the zoo, yeah. And he's all unhinged, and and the guy just out there with his family is like, "Hey, buddy, this was just a job. This was just a job." Yeah. Um. But the entire thing is just to get you to not take for granted and enjoy what you have, because you're stuck in this rut of like, "Woe is me!" and "What is the right. point of it all?" Right. And to go through this huge elaborate ruse to remind you that life is worth living. Ridiculous, and at the same time, like, kind of makes sense. Yeah, yeah. Uh, especially well, if mean, someone is stuck in that rut. He's right, and but I mean, you've also got to have a, a brother who is a little bit on the sociopath side to set this all up to teach you a lesson. This, um, I don't know, this huge intro and, and risk. Your, you know, your brother essentially maybe reacting in such a negative way to kill you or just destroy. Cause I mean, that's an emotional hell that he puts him through that entire movie. It's a colossal. I mean, mind fucks not, it's too, it was way too small of a word to describe what happens to Michael oh. Douglas in that movie. So when he makes the choice to jump <laughs> and then ultimately is saved. Yeah. But he's fine. I've given, I, I am resigning yeah. myself to this fate. Uh, it's so much. It's so much. Yeah, it, but I thought it was really. It, I don't know why it's not one of the Fincher ones that I go back to and watch. Maybe it's because it's one of the least accessible ones. Mm-hmm. You know, even um, Panic Room is much more accessible than the game. The game requires like you can't surf the internet or play on your phone. The game is like just you got to focus, and then when you go back and watch it, you got to see the moments that. She's explaining stuff now that you know what happens. So you can see the little hints or clues or tips. Uh, and I think it's great. It's an incredibly well-constructed film, but it's a very difficult one to access. And I think that's why people don't watch it at the same rate that they watch other Fincher stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe it's the implausibility of the whole thing. Yeah, that might be part of it as well. Yeah. You know? Plus it's two rich guys. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? I don't know how many people want to go back. Exactly. Why do I need to empathize with right. these two that have it all? Yeah. Um, yeah. But anyway. <laughs> yeah, I was looking through Darica, uh, I was looking through Deborah Kara Unger's um resume here, and I remember her being in in payback. That's the thing that I remember her. And okay. then she was in the hurricane. Remember, she was yep. one of three people trying to get him yeah, out. The Canadians. Yeah, the Canadians. And she is Canadian. So, oh, is she? I thought she was German. Yeah, it's, just, it's the name, right? Unger. It feels like yeah. she would be. Then she was in Salt and Sea and in 13. And then it's it's a, a, a weird bunch of stuff that I don't that I don't know too well. But I've heard a couple, like 88 minutes, I remember, or White Noise, the Keaton one, but then not much is else. Is 88 minutes the Colin Farrell one? Or is that the Al Pacino one? I thought 88 minutes was the Pacino one, but is it, is it? Yeah, it is the Pacino one. Yeah. With him. And, um, is that Worthington? Is it Sam Worthington? Uh, No, that's a different, there's another, I think Sam Worthington Pacino terrible movie. Okay. Okay. 
Yeah, I think 88. Was this the one with like they videotape them killing people or was it a different movie? Yeah, Serial Killer uh, has come back. Right, 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 right. He has 88 minutes left to live. Yeah, that wasn't. Uh, what's what's the one with. Um, was it didn't was it Pacino? Yeah, I guess it was Pacino. But there's another one with Pacino and the, these uh, European guys who are killing people, and he's trying to track them down. But I can't remember the name of that one either. So, but yeah, bunch of uh, yeah, I don't know what that is on okay. that description. But anyway, we're going on a tangent. What's your uh, what's your eight, my man? Uh, my eight is Big Trouble in Little China. Knock yourself out, bro. I feel like you vacillate as to whether or not you like this movie. I don't think vacillates the right word. I think I'm very clear that I respect people who love this movie. I have tried on four separate occasions to like this movie and I think it's okay, but I don't have the love for it that everyone else has. And I, I mean, we even did it on the cinephiles, man. Like I made, I was like, maybe this is the way for me to appreciate the movie. But in the end, I still didn't, I still don't like find it as funny as everybody else does, but I don't, hate it like i might hate goonies or other stuff like that's the truth other cinematic masterpieces <laughs> i got you yeah it's yeah, fine yeah totally dude goonies is an all-time classic I, it's unfortunate that you that part of your brain apparently is atrophied <laughs> goonies is an all-time classic it hasn't because my analytical brain is quite fine yeah, the, the the brain that is in touch with your soul, the portion of your brain there. That's how it works, by the way. Uh, oh man, you heard it here connection. first. You heard it here first. <laughs> but you see, it's it's Kurt's just swaggering. Yeah, yeah. Bluster, the ridiculousness of him, like talking into that CB radio. I think is an amazing encapsulation of who that character is yeah, yeah yeah, which is trying to build himself up to this larger than life individual when he's got a simple blue collar job but if you were to listen to him like he's the biggest swinging dick this side of the you know, mississippi yeah yeah uh and i don't know if that coupled with the over-the-top almost anime like action yeah yeah, yeah, and the fantastical characters that they bring to life—you have some like Dungeons and Dragons esque, the floating eye thing. Yeah, uh, and then like Raiden, basically they took from Street Fighter. Mm. They took Raiden and right. made him off of that character. Uh, so you bring the old world Eastern mysticism, and then you bring it into modern society, so to speak, yeah. Yeah. and just the two worlds colliding between the two, but I think it all comes down to Kurt Russell. If you were to put somebody else in that film in his place, I don't know that I remotely like it near as much. Yeah. Yeah. No. Yeah. He does a great job in the, in the role and Kim Cattrall is good in the movie as well. And the older Asian dude who's like, you know, guiding them through the situation. Sure. I uh, forget that actor's name. Cause I think he was in gremlins as you well. Got James Hong again. Yeah. James Hong coming in, of course, still around James Hong. Um, but yeah, I mean the, I get it. Like it's an, it's how can I describe it's an anti-hero but not an anti-hero in the way that we've come to know it in that you know someone who's a you know kind of um a little villainous at times but gets the job done sure he is a guy who is so anti being a hero while he thinks he's being a hero because he's incompetent at doing the things that he claims to be so great at 
Um, I remember that scene where he's like, and we're going to kick their ass and do whatever. And he shoots the ceiling and the, the concrete knocks. Oh yeah. Out. It all comes everyone falling down. Yeah. And everyone else. Not, did, well, they had yeah. all taken that mystical Red Bull or whatever <laughs> it was, the liquid cocaine. And they're all just jacked to the gills. But I think it's a, that's an excellent way to put it. He is a, not quite an anti-hero, but he's not yeah. a prototypical, right? Which you would associate with a movie and a storyline like that, especially from that era or earlier. Yeah. Uh, and and yeah. definitely the Asian guy is the actual hero. Definitely, like they kind of subtly make him the hero because he's the one, his companion. He's the one that's actually getting the job done uh, while he is constantly getting knocked out or pushed aside or beat up or whatever, which I, I think works so well. So by the end, he still retains who he is um, and stuff works out, but it, you know, it, I think you're hundred percent right. If it wasn't Kurt Russell, I don't think it would have worked. Uh, mm. All right. So that's my eight. What do you got a 10? Robert says to beat a dead horse. Goonies just doesn't hold up. Oh, I'm not do you get the hell out of here, Robert. <laughs> it flat out does. It's still just as good today. Uh, by the way, welcome to Cali Spurl. I don't think I've seen Cali Spurl in here before. Hell, thank you for joining us, Cali. Thank you for classing up the place. Um, let's see. We're at my 10. All right. So my 10 is uh, uh, 48 hours. Okay, go for it. Yeah, I love this movie. It's not the greatest Eddie, of course, but I like this as an introduction to Eddie. I love the chemistry with him and Nolte. This is a politically uncorrect film for sure. If you were to go back and watch it now, but the jokes are still fucking great. The situations he finds was Beverly Hills is like, let's make everybody feel good, even though we've got some really brutal stuff in it. 48 hours is very clearly brutal stuff in it is in it. And you'll have an occasional moment of humor. But you never forget that Nolte is like hanging on to him by a leash, in essence, uh, the whole time in the movie. And it ends up working out. But it's a rough ride the whole time. And I like it. And they make use of the city really well as well for san francisco um and it's nolte just nolte just doing great work here man just the, the put upon older detective west to break out the young black prisoner to help him catch the guys he used to, he used to be with and eddie is damn good in this movie like this is you're like shocked like bill Hader and barry shocks us all the time but then you see eddie in something like this you're like this is the first movie out the gate and he plays these dramatic moments really well with an edge to them. And that's when you knew, like, this guy, if they find he? the right vehicles for this guy, he's going to be as a good What fucker. was he, 19? Yeah, he was like 19, yeah. Maybe yeah. 20? Yeah, but those moments with him are just like, you're like, wow, when he gets real into the deeper, serious stuff. But then the funny stuff, of course, when he's like, there's a new sheriff in town, his name is Reggie Hammond, and all, that old scene is so good. And you've got your stereotypical black... um chief of police there or captain rather who's like yelling at them which they use the same actor for loaded weapon which i thought was really funny but yeah throughout it that's why number two was such a disappointment because they made the twist that it was one of the cops who was actually leading the whole gang i was like oh that was so fucking lame but the first one was good and i i really like it and um and it pulls no punches and the end is believable and so i like that you know sure they don't go, you got to get out of jail free card now. No, they say, you got to go right back, man. You know the deal. So I appreciated that. Hopefully he gets a little time taken off a sentence. <laughs> just a little bit. Just, a just little. something. I mean, he did help. You're right. I think he's proven that he's uh, slowly becoming a member of society again. Yes. Piece by piece. Yeah. <laughs> as long as you do your time. Yeah. 
Um, all right. So then my number nine is um, uh, The Last Black Man in San Francisco. Uh, go for it. Okay. I love this movie. I was very fortunate uh, to interview the director and one of the stars, Jimmy Fails, uh, for um, one of the episodes of The Deep Cup. Went back when I was at Collider. And it, it, this movie just kind of put the zap in me, man. And it's an incredible exploration of this uh, man exploring his roots based on what his father and his family had told him and discovering that not everything was true that he was told by his family, but in the process, you're learning about the history of San Francisco, the gentrification, the pushing out, the changing times of what happened after world war two, mm-hmm. all this stuff is being explained to you while you're also discovering um, this guy as a person, but his best friend, Jonathan majors, this is his, or Jonathan major, rather, this is his first film that I saw him in. And I knew from watching this movie, I'm like, this guy is going to be a fucking star. And to see him now that he's gone all the way up to playing Kang now in the MCU is just insane. I saw devotion, which is coming out. I think this weekend and it, or it came out this weekend and it was good. He was good in it. It's not, the film was okay, but he was good in it. Um, so I, this movie always kind of, I saw it like three times because uh, I just enjoy the um, poetic approach to this story. Um, and exploring the African-American experience or the black experience through a different prism than I've seen before in other films. Sure. Um, and just really well acted and well written and a, a great one of these small kind of independent films that if it gets the hook in you, it'll get its hooks in you, but good. So, yeah. That's my number nine. Um, <laughs> yeah. I, uh, I remember everybody, uh, talking it up and mm. saying it was really good and i went to watch it and uh i just never did i still remember i can actually vividly remember i had the screener i was getting yeah. ready to watch it and then something came up and i was like all right well i'll get to that later i still have the screener <laughs> and then yeah i don't anymore uh don't even know what happened to it to be honest okay so then uh my number eight is mrs doubtfire uh that's a punt okay all right what's your seven uh my seven is inside out uh that's my six yeah sounds good let's talk about it let us talk about it well it's higher on yours so go ahead and start us off yeah great stuff here from pixar and there's a sequel coming apparently they're working on a sequel uh who knows now with Iger involved if that sequel is going to happen or not but we shall see but yeah um great story here of, of this character riley and her journey i think that is universal I think everyone can relate to. Yes, are there some female specific stuff? Sure, but overall, yeah. I think all of us can relate to that transition time when we were becoming young adults and the emotions that get involved in it and the um feelings of change of losing connections to certain things. And certainly for some people like Matt who has moved around a lot, there are some universal feelings I imagine that go on in her tra- in her experience with all of that. Um it's very inventive in how they create the uh um, emotions within her and the, in the uh, voiceover actors that they get are fantastic. The visuals of the um, movie are great. And um, the decisions that, that she makes in the movie, I think work really well to help the movie feel more than just animated. You know, when she steals her mom's wallet or her dad's wall credit card, or whatever it is to buy those tickets. Cause she's going to take off on her own. Like that's, that's a really serious scene to have in a pixar movie and i was really surprised by that uh and then on the other side bing bong the uh, bing bong is one of the greatest mm-hmm. characters pixar has ever made 
I probably never cried harder in a Pixar film than I did in that moment with him. Uh, and so that'll always leave a very strong mark with me. So that's a, uh, I think it's such a, such a well-written film that absolutely appeals to the universal um, journey. We all go on. We're transitioning into being young adults. It, it imparts such a great message to kids too, about mm. uh, maturing and about the idea of, Memories not having to be all one thing or another. Sometimes there is the Shakespearean bittersweet where you're, yes, I was sad in this moment, but it yeah. also brings me, I was, there was joy in it. Or I look back fondly on that sadness mm -hmm. because of what happened. Like when she's upset in the memory and then her parents come to console her and yeah. that makes her feel good yeah. upon reflection because she knows she has that type of uh, support and love bolstering her. Right. Right. Um, but it's got, you know, runs that nice line of things for all ages within the film. Mm -hmm. yeah. um, and not in the, hey, here's some inappropriate joke that only parents will get. Yeah, right. Just to throw us a bone, which is not bad. I, I don't mind that in, in animation. Sure. But more so like a headier concepts, like when the, the abstract, going through the abstract part of the brain. Oh, yeah. Oh, my God. It was great. Yeah. Oh. But it's it's such a, kids will just like it because there's funny shapes and whatnot. Mm -hmm. And parents can say, oh, that's an interesting way to represent yeah. part of the human mind's capability. Right. Um, and that push and pull, uh, and the, the, the idea of cleaning up memories and just deleting them straight through and they've got that vacuum thing. Um, but to, to watch her as she goes through this process and she's losing parts of herself. Yeah. yeah, yeah and yeah. to see that in her unconscious mind kind yeah. of wither and crumble away uh, is a great representation of what could potentially happen. If she does get on that bus yep. and she decides to leave, then you could shatter all those memories, memories previously. And yeah. there is nothing happy or fond that you can reminisce about. There's a distinct polarity in your life between point A and point B. Yep. Uh, yeah. It's just a, it's a really good, it's one of Pixar's best in my opinion. Yeah. hundred percent, hundred percent agree with you. Um, all right, so that was your seven. What's your six? Uh, my six is Rise of the Planet of the Apes. Oh, okay, go ahead, man. The James Franco one, yeah, because it's the most San Francisco of the San Francisco well, of those three movies to me. Although you could say, was uh, is Dawn the next one? Yeah, because Battle is the third, yeah, Battle, yeah. So Dawn is like, okay, they're still in San Francisco, uh, but rise to me is fully it's in modern san francisco's they're going through yeah uh but i'll never forget the chills upon watching caesar say no oh my god in the theater the first time it was shockingly real yeah yeah felt very much evolutionarily we're not too far away from this happening guys as much as i'm not i don't share the same sentiment of you of the great simian uprising right uh it does put into stark contrast and reality what that potentially could look like. Yeah, yeah. But I never had fondness for the original series. I think it's, I think the first one's, it's pretty good. Yeah. And then the others, I think are just campy. If you really like the series, there's some fun to be had there, but not for me. Right. Um, so I was lukewarm about it coming out and then seeing the theaters. I was blown away. I couldn't wait for the next one. Yeah. Yeah. And I think the heart that Franco exhibits and Lithgow as his dad, um, but 
the dynamic between uh, those two, Caesar and then Frida Pinto's character. Yeah. It's a great back and forth between all the actors and the the story arc overall. And I think it's just a it's a solid like that movie could stand alone. It doesn't necessarily need to be part of the series. Whereas the others, you need the build up too. Mm-hmm. This one could just end right here, and like that's that's the movie. And I think it tells an interesting story. Uh, although the continuation does make sense, but uh, yeah, I think it's a really good movie, and yeah. I was shocked by how much I enjoyed it. Yeah, yeah, I'd agree with that overall. Uh, I, you know, and I, I, it's a good start. If you're going to reboot a, a franchise like this, you got to start with a, with a, a kind of new way in. And I think they found the new way in and kind of reset everything. Like the first Star Trek did, right? The first 2009 Star Trek, when that came in, it reset everything that you had seen before, and it made it work. And it was a lot of fun to see that movie. Uh, I felt that way about this one. It doesn't 100% get there for me. I like the other two a little bit better. I think it just like Matt Reeves' direction better for this franchise than I can't remember who the first director was for the for the for that one. But like, it's a good question. Yeah, I can't remember who it was. But so for me, the second and third ones work just a little bit better. They're a little harder edge. Um, but certainly that first one, yeah, you're absolutely right. When Caesar says what he says, every, the whole crowd, I remember being in the crowded theater and it was like, ah, you know, and so it was so cool to get that reaction and you don't get that without a really good, uh, foundational base throughout the whole movie. So, yeah. And, um, I think Chwetel Ejiofor, was he the lawyer? Was he the, who was the actor that was, oh, that's a good question. Wasn't it him? I thought that was him. Like a young first kind of role for him. Uh, I think you're thinking of David uh, Oyelowo. Oh, was it Oyelowo? Oh, Oh, my bad. My bad. Never knew how to pronounce his name. (laughs) Great actor. Should know how to pronounce it. Because he played. um... Yes. No, you're right. It's Oyelowo because he plays Martin Luther King. Yes, absolutely. So, yeah. Yeah, it was a really good, uh, really good film. And uh, no, I don't know if it was, is it Rupert Evans? Is that what you, Rupert Wyatt is who directed Rupert Wyatt. Okay. Okay. So yeah, I don't know what he did. So I don't know. Yeah. I mean, you know, you could uh, make a case. This is kind of his one and only. Maybe. Yeah. Cause I, I don't know. Yeah. Subterranean, the escapist, the gambler. Yeah. Yeah. Captive state. I don't remember. Mm-mm. Yeah, I don't know any of these. Oh, the yeah. Captive State. I remember that coming. I got pushed, and then the reason it got pushed because it was dog shit. Oh, <laughs> I th- I thought the trailer for that. I was like, that looks interesting. Oh wow! And then uh, is not the case. Wow, Majors is in that one too. Jonathan Majors. Damn. But he's so, got uh, one coming out that I'm intrigued by, just by the cast. What's that? Desert Warrior. Anthony Mackie, Ben Kingsley, Charlotte Copley. Really? Yeah. Okay. An honorable mysterious rogue known as Hanzala makes himself an enemy of the Emperor Kisra after he helps a fugitive king and princess in the desert. Ooh, there you go. That's a solid cast. I'm intrigued. Okay. Not sure how Charlotte Copley fits into this mix, but whatever. Maybe he's the Marco (laughs) Polo of this, and he's from a distant land somewhere else. Desert Warrior. Desert Warrior. Generic name. Yeah, I know it, isn't it? Oh, Kingsley's in it? Oh, no. Oh, no. Could be a great sign, could be a terrible sign. <laughs> That's the state of Kingsley these days. Always. Yeah. 
I'm sorry. All right. Um, so where are we at? Set my seven? Uh yeah, your seven. My seven is the rock. Dude, that's called a punt. And that's called a <laughs> how fucking dare you. Yeah, I, I know. I had a feeling. I just don't love it as much as everybody else, but I think it deserves its flowers. For We're me. finding out a lot today. You yeah. Know? Yeah. Quite a bit. Quite a bit. Interesting uh, journeys we're going on. Um, okay, so I think we're done with our bottom five, yes? That we are. So we'll take this quick break, hear a word from our sponsor, and be right back after this. All right, there we are. And yeah. now we're jumping into it. So at our top fives, at five, Yes, I have Star Trek Four. So do I. The Voyage Home. Thought you might have it. I thought that was like a three, four range for you. No, I, I don't. The film has dropped a little bit in my estimation as I've gotten a little older. Some of the moments are a little cheesier for me. A little, I don't know, too easy in terms of humor. So it's kind of dropped. And I think with the advent of the newer ones that have come out, I've kind of had to rearrange my list a little bit. And this is one that kind of suffers in comparison. Whereas... Star Trek six has grown in my appreciation and estimation um, to be in the conversation there with the greatest of Star Trek films. This is a fun one, but the villain is so flaccid um, in terms of the Klingon villain. And then you've got like, it wasn't three, like three is Christopher Lloyd. I love him to death, but that's a terrible Klingon. And then in this one, it's more about like, you know, trying to save the whales and stuff. But there are some great moments. I mean, Spock in the water doing the mind meld with one of the whales. Scotty's line, you know, Captain, there be whales here. And oh, all computer, <laughs> computer. <laughs> yeah. And then he gives them, uh, what is it, transparent aluminum? Yeah, 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 yeah. Something along those lines, which I believe I read like a year ago that that might not be complete fiction. Holy shit. Really? Yeah. Wow. Wow. Um, I, I don't, I literally, I started reading some of the, the article and it got yeah. deep in the weeds real quick and be like, well, I'm not going to sit here and pretend <laughs> that I understand. So that's all that stuck with me. I don't know how plausible anything remotely like that is. Yeah. I just remember clicking on it, trying it's like, well. We all have limitations in life and mind. <laughs> it's clearly this. I like his excuse where he was like, I don't know. How do you know I'm not the one that was supposed to introduce it to them? So I'll, yeah. How do you know? Well, how, how do you know they're not the ones that invented it? Yeah. Right. That invented it. Yeah. As if the, um, as if you couldn't find that in, in space, Google. Yeah. Whatever the version they have of that. All of human history. Yeah. Uh, at their fingertips. But it's funny, you know, the bus scene with the with the you know punk rock guy. That's very funny with Spock and double. Was it double damn, double damn you, or double something? And um, so it's a sweet uh, film for sure. But uh, the stakes aren't that high when you're watching it, and so for me, I don't feel quite as invested in it. I mean, but then again, I just I bought it in 4K because they remastered all of them in 4K, and so. I didn't buy three and I didn't buy five, but I did buy two, four, and six and one. So I guess, you know. Would you buy you one just to have it, to not really I watch it? One. Oh my God, I love one. Are you kidding? It's, it's pretty dull. You're crazy. You're insane. It's pretty dull. <sighs> it really is. The longer 
version is the better version. I even like the longer version of it so much. It's been a long time since I've seen it. Guess what? It's going to be a long time before. <laughs> I think death will probably come first. Oh, wow. Last Black Man in San Francisco will probably come first before you rewatch. Yeah, oh, yeah, 100%. 100%. I'll happily rewatch any of the Evens or the Pine Star Treks. Yeah. Except Star Trek Beyond. I, I, I tried watching that again the other day. It's as boring as I remember it being boring. Is that the Idris Elba one? Yeah, man, it does nothing for me. I'm watching that. I was like, this is like a bad episode of Star Trek that went on a little long. Like from the original I mean... series. Yeah. It's yeah. what a lot of Star Trek is and be like, this seems like a TV episode. A hundred percent, man. Easy now. Yeah, a hundred percent. Especially the ne- the next generation stuff. Almost oh, all of those yeah. feel like they're just a grandiose TV movie. <laughs> I don't disagree with you there. And that's arguably my favorite cast. Wow. Uh, although I'm not as uh, in the weeds on Deep Space Nine, so I couldn't give you a full opinion there. Hmm. I've seen some. Mm-hmm. And uh, Voyager, I've never seen a second of. Or Enterprise? Uh, oh, is that the newest one? No, no, no. Bacula had a series called Enterprise. Oh, oh yeah. No, I haven't series. seen any of that. Yeah, yeah. The newest one is good. Strange New Worlds, Matt. I'm telling you. you haven't I've seen, seen like it. four of them. Okay. I loved it. I burned through that when I had COVID. I knocked that thing out in two days. Yeah, I thought it was I thought it was pretty good. Yeah. He's the closest to Kirk I've ever seen. Like I just thought some of the other actors on it were mm. weren't as good. That's being kind. <laughs> okay. I thought one in particular was terrible. Ooh. Do you want to say or no? Hey, they should continue to work. You okay. know, all right. So, uh, I'm not going to slag off just because I haven't even finished it. So maybe it turns and they get once yeah. the character develop more develops more, it becomes a much better portrayal, which can happen. Is there a you in their name? Uh, I'll have to look it up. The character's uh, name. I, I, you know, if you really want me to do, no, no, I'll look it up real quick. We got to get to your number. Yeah, that was your five, wasn't it? Yes, both of our fives. Cam Chapman calls it Star Trek the slow motion picture. Fuck you, Cam. <laughs> uh, I mean, it sounds about right. I love it. I love it. I'm telling you. I don't know why. I can't explain it, but I enjoy the hell out of it. We did, the, I think we did it over three parts, the cinephiles. We did broke it down with Mance, and I absolutely enjoyed the hell out of that movie. Like it just, There's something about it that just works for me as an old school Star Trek fan. Um, all right, so what's your four? I'm trying to look up to verify oh. which okay. individual, if they have a U in their name or not. The character? You yes. should know if the character has a U in their name. That one, I think the, the bigger one you're talking about? Yes, yes. That is not the one I was thinking of. Oh, okay. All right. Uh, no. <laughs> I liked her character and what she did with it. So, Okay. I was hoping it wasn't. That. I, I believe her character. Well, if I if I give the opening letter, it just says, but anyway, it wasn't the one you were <laughs> alluding to. Let's okay, just put good. it that way. Good. Um anyway, my four. Yeah, your four. Is uh Vertigo. Oh, that's a punt. The fuck. Okay. Just it's called rewatchability, baby. Rewatchability. Yeah, yeah. Really? My my other three I will watch before I watch Vertigo again. Oh, my God. Are you kidding? I've gone to see it in the theaters. 
three or four times at least um, at like the Arrow or the Egyptian. If there if there's one thing I miss about LA, it is that like just being able to go see old movies in the theater, man. I fucking loved doing that. It got hairier as shit got you know kind of more scarier and dirtier in LA. But I loved going to the Egyptian when I could get a chance to see some of those festivals and some of those stuff. And the Arrow, I never thought the Arrow was as good of a theater. So that's the irony. The Arrow is the easier one to park and go see a movie mm-hmm. yet but the theater isn't as good as the egyptian the egyptian was the better theater but it's also the one with the most hassle yeah the egyptian's a pain in the ass whatever. yeah yeah um which is a shame because i think they should put that somewhere where people can get to it so people can appreciate those movies and in the beverly yeah the new beverly was a terrible theater but it was great to see those things there uh all right so what was your number four again sorry oh it was uh, the okay so then yeah. my number four is the conversation Oh, uh, go ahead. The Gene Hackman. Yeah. Oh, I love this movie. Francis. It's the one that gets forget. That people seem to always forget about with Francis Ford Coppola. The conversation is such an excellent film. Hackman plays essentially this uh, guy who is hired to spy on people's conversations. He records them. Uh, the government has used the, him. Uh, um, corporations have used him. Companies have used him. And he is used on this. Um, uh, what is it with this? This case. And he is overhearing this conversation between Frederick Forrest, who you all might know from Apocalypse Now, and Cindy Williams, mm-hmm. who is Shirley from Laverne and Shirley. And it is supposedly this conversation about cheating on the husband, whatever, but it ends up becoming something much bigger. I don't want to ruin it. This one I won't ruin. Um, it ends up becoming much bigger, and it causes him to start to question what he does and seeing what he has done, which is to spy on people without them knowing, have it turned around on him. And what that effect has on him as the film progresses, uh, which is this slow descent into mania. And it is fantastic. And what it, it's still incredibly topical about what it says about uh, listening on people's conversations, violating the privacy, uh, how we can actual, how the government is supposedly still is listening to us. You know, people go all the time. Like I was looking at something uh, or I I was on the phone and somehow Google knew to suggest this to me or Amazon suggested Mm -hmm. this to me. And I wasn't even looking for that on Amazon or Google. So are they listening in on my conversations? You know, the idea of algorithms and all of that, the conversation is essentially a film that explores that at a, a very at a, at the technological level that they were at back then. Right. Which, but you can make the correlative connections to where we're at now. And so the theme really works. And a lot of people think, um, what's the one with Chris Rock? Enemy, in, oh, Enemy no, you mean Will Smith. Enemy of the State. Oh, Will Smith. Sorry. Will Smith. Right. Enemy of the state is like a sequel to that. He might be playing the same character. So, yeah, it's the one that always gets forgotten about when people talk about Coppola. They'll talk about Godfather, talk about Apocalypse, um, but they'll forget about the conversation. And the conversation is a fucking excellent movie. Just excellent movie. I think it came out the same year that Godfather Part Two came out in 74, if I'm not wrong. Yeah, it always struck me as the the hipster Coppola. <laughs> well, just the in that only the real Coppola fans Oof. have watched the conversation. Like you don't even know this is their <laughs> bespoke artisanal fucking cinematic. Oh, sure. Godfather is good. Yeah. But, but have you seen the conversation? But the conversation. I I haven't seen it. 
Oh, and it's really? been on my list. Yeah. Oh it's, my God. it's one of those. I should have watched that instead of the accountant. Dude, I think you'd love it. I think you would actually, actually, and no, no bullshit. I think you would actually enjoy the conversation as one well, of those. Ahead, like, I'm going to watch another movie tonight because after this, I'm pretty sure I'm going to be spent. <laughs> so yeah. I'm just going to curl up and watch uh, a movie. <laughs> so perhaps I'll write it down. Perhaps right. the conversation will mix the mix. It just got to see if I can find it somewhere. It's got to be on Amazon Prime, I imagine, or Prime Video, rather, I imagine. All right, so what's your three, man? Uh, my three is the punt from you earlier, Mrs. Doubtfire. Oh, wow, three. Wow. Dude, it's Take it a away. classic. I think it's a love of Robin Williams already. Yeah. But then since his passing, it's kind of like I, I now even more fondly recollect the movies of his that I enjoyed. Oh, that's fair. Totally fair. Yeah. So it's a, there's only now a finite number, even though he could have easily lived another uh, couple decades. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I was saying, but I almost met him like three times and I, I just missed meeting him three separate fucking times. That's crazy. Yeah. Like, uh, it was both at the comedy store in La Jolla and then the comedy store up here. Wow. And each time, like, I left and he shows up five minutes later. Oh, dude. You're like, are you fucking kidding me? It's not like we would have had some heart-to-heart moment and like, no, oh, you know what? You'll be my new best friend. Right, right. But still, just to shake his hand and, hey, pleasure to meet you type of thing. Right. Uh, I, like most people, have been a fan of you pretty much my entire life. Um, But yeah, Mrs. Doubtfire, I mean, there isn't, the only other person that plausibly could have done it i guess on on some level is mike myers oh yeah that's a good point sure just because sure. he does the accents as well and he, he'll do numerous characters within yep. one movie yep. or maybe eddie uh but usually i can kind of see eddie even when he's doing the other characters yeah 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 it's a different movie with eddie too yeah like myers i think is the logical guy hypothetically yeah. Yeah. but i don't know that myers has the the twinkle in the eye where you still love You're him right. as much you're right. I think that was one of the things with Mike Myers in all his movies. He didn't quite have that extra level of connection, you know, um, that Robin had. Robin had that magic, man. Not a lot of people have that magic. Yeah, that you just gravitate towards mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. unknowingly. Just like, I don't yeah, know, there's something here. Yeah, because when you watch Mrs. Doubtfire, he's actually in the wrong in a lot oh, of yes. movie. Yeah. You know? He don't take he doesn't take no for an answer. Sally Field is correct to keep him from his kids because he's a deadbeat motherfucker thinking he's still gonna make it. And he pulls he dresses up as this. I mean, he's almost, a shitty dad. He's a almost any other woman would yeah. like have this guy arrested and put in jail for God knows how long. But she understands it because she knows he's kind of a child and he just loves his kids so much. So his heart was in the right place. About mm-hmm. wanting to spend time with his children. But yeah, but, but it's a damn good movie, man. It also taught him like, hey, rules and structure are not a bad thing. Yeah, right. Yeah, good point. And before yeah. that, you, he more so just wanted to be their best friend. Yes. right. And just there's got to be a demarcating line where sometimes you have to be the parent and you yeah. can't be their friend and you're going to make a decision that's going to upset them. Yeah. Uh, that's inevitably going to happen. And he had to learn that over the course of the movie. So when earlier on she has to put her foot down as much as it hurts you do agree with her. You're like, yeah, yeah that's right. He's not being a good parent right now. Yeah, exactly. 100%, uh, 100%. But then when he, you know, 
fucking pegs Pierce Brosnan with that fruit with an orange or whatever. It's a drive-by fruiting. Uh, so he went that way. Yeah. And can you imagine going from Robin Williams, who's an attractive man, sure. to Pierce Brosnan? Yeah. Yeah. It's a hell of an upgrade. I mean, I never thought Sally Field was attractive. So just cute. But it works for the movie. Do you know what I'm saying? It works for the movie because she is stepping out of this bad relationship. So and and they kind of they dough out Robin. Like they make him a little heavier. His hair is a little kind of blah. So he's supposed to convey this kind of like um lesser person. So when she chooses someone so anti him, it makes sense because she's trying to level up in her life. She's trying to do something different with her life. And I like mm-hmm. that they don't make him an asshole like they did with was it no? I guess they didn't do that with Carrie Elwes, but like you've seen films where they make the other person yeah. the asshole, and they don't do that with Pierce. But you know? they made El, uh Carrie just so bland. Yeah, 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 yeah. It just the dependability is what she liked about him, but that yeah. was all it seemed as though he was offering in this instance, whereas Pierce had more, he was bringing more to the table. He was. He was, yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, this is I mean, look, that scene with him and Harvey Firestein when he's dressing up as the when he's barbara oh my god i lost my shit like genius just really smart i was thinking about his comedy his comedy was so expansive because he was so intelligent and knowledgeable about shit he was able to weave in like you know aladdin is the greatest example all these references from all over the spectrum from william f buckley to fucking schwarzenegger to all these things that he's able to move because he's an intelligent guy who reads and very knowledgeable about things. So he, mm-hmm. he's got jokes for every section, every quadrant of the audience. He's got jokes. And in here, same thing. Like <clears throat> the way he approaches this whole thing of being Mrs. Doubtfire and all the things he goes through, he's making woman jokes, but he's also making older jokes, man jokes, and then jokes about overall being a, um, being a better person, you know? So it's, it's very, very funny throughout. I, I agree. Wholeheartedly. Okay. So it was just the the wide breadth of jokes. There there was a time where he was a known joke thief. Oh, really? Oh, I didn't. Well, know. just not in his act. Maybe that's why he didn't beat him. He's doing if, he oh yeah. Oh yeah. Well, it was more so it, and it only comes from his contemporaries when he would go on tonight show and stuff like that. Oh. He might inadvertently do a bit of someone else's. Oh shit. And they'd show back up to the store and be like you saw that I did it. I apologize. Here's a couple hundred dollars. <laughs> My apologies. And I've, I've read more than one account where, yeah, yeah, yeah. Robin took a bit of mine. Uh, but I don't know how often I, but I have heard that, that story from comics of the eighties. Yeah. But who knows? Way to denigrate him, man. Jesus. <laughs> I, I think he was more than forthcoming on that front. Yeah. Um, all right. So that was your three. Uh, that was my three. Okay. My three is Bullet. Uh, go for it. It was a tough yeah. cut. Oof. Love this movie, man. Steve McQueen, son. This is such a great film to go back and rewatch. And I think it it's it's a film you can respect. And it may not work for everybody. But it certainly works. For those of us it does work for, it works really well. You know, he's so good in this film as a detective and who he's chasing down and the stuff he has to go through and it's a harder edge to him. And this is, of course, the film that made him a star. Like, Magnificent Seven made him known, 
this is the movie that made him a star. And he's such a badass in this film. And it's, uh, you know, I'm putting this on my list right when the story came out that Spielberg is doing a remake with Bradley Cooper. So that's going to be interesting if that actually gets off the ground and gets made. Um, but I like the choice of Bradley Cooper for this. You know, it's not like McQueen was just a born badass. He, you know, he kind of moved towards that as an actor at a time when people like Lee Marvin with Point Blank, which is, was, was a tough cut for me as well. Like this, That's another one of those kind of San Francisco films that focuses on one dude and what he's navigating and dealing with. Uh, but Bullet is such a bad, of course, the action, of course, the legendary uh, car chase scene through the streets of San Francisco is incredible. But the overall story itself works and what he goes through and what he accomplishes. I'm just like a big fan of it and the work he does in the film, which is much more subtle, kind of like that quiet badass. And you like that about him. So, mm-hmm. yeah, just such a cool film. Yeah. The car chase scenes are phenomenal. Yeah. Yeah. And they easily hold up yeah because there's no cgi this is just stunt drivers across the streets of san francisco and it's i mean it's immaculate yeah oh my god just like overall i don't gravitate towards going back to watch the movie but yeah i'm not against it being on the list i told you it was a tough guy i threw on inner space instead of that and one or two others i was like "Ah, i'll talk about inner space right 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 yeah so bullets just if you guys haven't seen Bullet, can't recommend it enough. I know it's one of those ones you probably ha- everybody has on their list, and oh, I'll get around to it, get around to it. I'm telling you, get around to it. It is so good. I mean, Bullet, French Connection, and the Seven Ups. Those are three connected. Yeah, I might even throw Serpico in though. In there, there's a those are four fantastic 1970s films um, dealing with the police, dealing with detectives, dealing with the um, the hardcore criminals that they have to deal with in those films. And they're all badass. They're all just fucking badass. So, um, all right. What's your two, man? Uh, my deuce is the rock. The fucking oh, should be in the two. Yikes. All right. Uh, it is. Look, I am not the biggest Bay fan. Michael Bay. That is. Yes. Yes. But he, he has made at least one quintessential action movie okay okay in the rock (laughs) it is so cheesy and yet amazing at the same time (laughs) okay it is a honestly for the genre for a coming out in the summer this is a disposable film Yeah, yeah this is one of the best yes it's fantastic you get really good performances from a bunch of actors who should by rights be phoning it in and yet they're not. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, between, you know, Nick Cage, Sean Connery, but then there's Ed Harris. And after that, when you go through the list of soldiers, it's a who's who of fantastic actors. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think, I think it's just a, it for, for what it is, it's pretty flawless. Mm-hmm. I think it's just an amazing action film. I, I do not agree. Not a, I'm not a Bay fan. Okay. And yet, I think this one is just next to none. I do not agree with this flawless, which is why flawless. it's on my list. <laughs> I, I have... You could cut the car chase scene in San Francisco itself. I think. Yeah. Oh, you didn't even remember it before I said it. It's yeah, a pretty ridiculous. No, the one with the Humvee. It's a pretty ridiculous car chase scene. And I, I have issues with it. The cheesiness of Cage. Ah, so great so great dude vx poison gas man i still know what that is from that movie that shit is real ah 
I mean, come on. I mean, some of it. Connery is the fucking man in that movie. Absolutely. Connery oh, is great. the reason to watch that movie. But just about everything else for me is a little, including Ed Harris, who slides into one dimensional cheesy villain uh, in the movie at times. Oh, how dare you? Kind of bothers me, to be honest. How dare you? That guy is defying his government, who has created a, a yes. slush fund mm-hmm. for these off-the-books wars that they have. And now he's lost a bunch of men, and he would like a little bit of, uh, you know, uh, take care of the men that he's lost in sure. these unofficial wars. That's all I'm asking for. That's all I'm asking for. I love that they have the ridiculously con- uh, uh, high concept with uh, to get back into the rock. Oh, yeah. With yeah. the firing, it reminds me of Galaxy Quest when Sigourney Weaver is like, "Why was it designed like this?" <laughs> it doesn't make any. Why would you ever design? It does none of this make sense? It's kind of perfect for that movie. Uh, it's, it's it's flawless. It is a perfect action film. Okay. Look, I'm not saying the movie is as good as Die Hard. That's what you basically just said. Because no, Die Hard is better. Is Hard. But I, I don't think. Die Hard set out to make a purely mindless action film. No, it's not a mindless action film at all. Exactly. Yeah. Whereas The Rock is a mindless action film oh, you that think succeeds. Yeah. It should be as bad as Con Air, but it's oh, way better. How dare you? Con Air is a fucking great film. Uh, it's not. Put the bunny down. It's so good. No, yeah. I mean, the stuff with Con Air, of course, people saying that He's it's James the lost Bond. Bond. Yeah, yeah, it's so good. But the the lines are qu- oh, so eminently quotable, dude. Just so eminently quotable, man. And it's great. And the action sequence, you're right. The action sequence is so well shot and everything like that. So the the direction of the film is great. I just think some of the dialogue is a bit on the cheese side, and I don't really buy it. It's a Michael Bay action film. How dare you? Yeah, Michael you, Bay. You're willing to... Bad Boys is good. Armageddon is good. How dare you? Armageddon's not good. Con Air is not good. Con Air is not Bay. That's, That's Bruckheimer, which is Bay adjacent. That's Simon West. Still, though, you know what I mean. It's it's <laughs> Simon West did his best Michael Bay. <laughs> Fair enough. I like this. Callie Spurl, uh, who s- says, when I was little, I would find my dad watching the bullet chase scenes on YouTube in the dark by himself. Yeah. Yeah. There's, there's, what do you call it? There's, they're sexual awakenings. Um, also, she says, this is my first time in the chat since I got married and got a new last name. Congratulations, Callie. Yeah, congrats. Oh, um, all right, let's move on. What's your... Well, what's your deuce? My deuce is Zodiac. All right, that's my number one. Okay, go ahead. This is higher up on your list. Um, it should be an unfulfilling movie because there's never going to be a resolution to it. And yes. yet... I in no way do I find that to be the case. I've watched it numerous times. I'd happily watch it right now. Wow. It it has no conclusion. There was I, never an answer to any of this. Yeah. It posits, you know, a few different uh, theories, one in particular. Uh, and yet I still find it I I I almost start watching it again thinking this is the time they're going to figure it out even though I know that's not the case. Right. And the pace of it works insanely well for me at least yeah. uh it should be slow and plodding and yet it's not yeah um some deft acting 
from a Gyllenhaal and Robert Downey Jr. and Mark Ruffalo, Anthony Edwards. Um, you get some chilling potential killers, uh, more than once, two in particular, yeah. and brought to life at the very least one, the one by the lake, the killing by the lake. Mm. Mm. Um, which I'd only read about because that's where they got the police uh, rendering of yeah. the Zodiac Killer from. And just how kind of cold the whole yeah. situation is. Yeah. is in, in some of those, as they're rendered in, on film, it's like a heated moment and the individual is animated. And that is not the case in this. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I, I, honestly, I, I think it's just an excellent, excellent movie. I call these, I call movies like this poor refrigerator movies. And by that, I mean like when you're poor and you open the refrigerator, you hope there's like food in there or when, uh, you know, you hope there's something in there and you know, you haven't put anything in there, but you hope there's something there. And going back and watching movies like this, you get sucked into thinking there's going to be an ending. Like you said, it's going to be, they're going to figure it out this time. Yeah. Even though you've seen the movie multiple times, they're going to figure it out this time. You keep thinking you're going to catch something or some extra scene or something's going to show up that's going to solve the film, and it's that's great. About, that speaks to the greatness of those of these films, the way they're constructed and directed and written. They take you on the journey all over again from the beginning because they spark your intellectual curiosity in such an effective way. And so, yeah, I 100 think that is with Zodiac. And right, it's one of those longer films that when you start down the path, it is very hard to turn it off. Mm-hmm. So you got to be careful when you turn it on because you really will get sucked into the movie and the, you know, the many years it goes through the many different facets of the case, the changes and the Gyllenhaal is the consistent or the constant rather through all of it. And yeah, constantly he moves on, he gets married, has kids and still they can't find the Zodiac and then boom, gets sucked back in later. I think they get, he gets divorced. Boom. He gets sucked back in from another thing. So it's the one thing that he has always uh, had an unresolved obsession over. And, yeah. Uh, you join him in the film throughout, you know? Yeah. And Downey Jr. is great in the film. Yeah. As the reporter that was their crime beat and whatnot, and then eventually becomes an alcoholic because he gets, <laughs> yeah. you know, he was already more than likely drinking too much and then yeah. got pulled into the story itself and kind of sent him into a tailspin of drinking even more. His paranoia when he's uh, you know living on the boat yeah so he can see everything that's happening yeah it's so good so good um all right so what's your one well that is my one so oh, we're sorry. on your one my one is vertigo the punt from earlier mm-hmm. that is the you know second greatest film i've ever made um hitchcock it's the best of the hitchcock films bar none incredible performance of jimmy stewart exploring the um how can i say this the unchecked aggression of man when it wants what it wants from a woman. And you can see that throughout the movie, right? It is the guy who hires him first is doing it because he wants to cheat on his wife and he wants evidence to, uh, and he wants something to happen to his wife and he wants to pin it on somebody, pins it on somebody. Then it, it makes Jimmy obsessed with her. So when Jimmy runs into the person who played his wife, um, he becomes obsessed with her. And so it's this obsession and this male obsession in trying to carve and change and 
craft a woman to be what he wants her to be. And what that leads to is just tragedy on both and on both fronts. And he's Mm -hmm. a phenomenal idiot because he has a great woman by his side that he doesn't uh, have a connection to. Um, But he escapes through all of it, which is really the most frustrating part of the end. And I think if you made this movie nowadays, it would be a completely different ending, but I like that it's Jimmy Stewart fucking Mr. What it's a wonderful life here. Yeah. Mr. All America. Yeah. Mr. All America. Right. Showing us the ugly side of um, what can happen when you have a a male dominated society or a male dominated story, how deep into the hole someone can go in wanting what they want. Even if you remove all of that, it's just about a human being who is obsessed with another human being to try to make them what they want them to be. And isn't that what we're always sometimes fighting against are our own impulses to want the world exactly as we want it, because we seem to know what we, what we think is right for the whole world. And that's. Yeah. When he gets, uh, I can't remember the character's name, but he gets her to dye her hair and everything to turn her into Mm -hmm. the other character. Mm -hmm. It's like, Oh, this is a gross form of manipulation yeah or control and then she madeline. does it madeline yeah yeah madeline and then she does it and he's just like yeah it's not the same yeah right. like what did you fucking expect man what did you expect yeah and oh. she resists it because she actually legitimately likes him she feels bad that she yeah. tricked him and the fact that he ran into her and it's a great performance from kim novak and she who's absolutely gorgeous in the movie but he is like she's trying to get him to not be obsessed with this fake thing and be be obsessed with her who in her real form. And it's heartbreaking to see her have to turn into the thing that he's obsessed with in order to keep his obsession because it dehumanizes her, uh, you know, and, and who she is as a person. She has to be this fake thing just to get any attention from him because he can't value what she's actually like, you know, because he's so obsessed with this yeah. thing that he lost. He's, yeah, he's more... Con- Anyway. <laughs> All right. Um, there you go. Well, there's our uh, top uh, 10 films from set in San Francisco. So we will now combine these and uh, do the list. All right. So I would say probably go Zodiac Vertigo. Yeah. Sounds good. That's one, two and one, four. Okay. Um, let's see. The Rock you had where? Seven. Two seven versus Star Trek four. We both had it five. I think two yeah. seven beats that. Okay. All right. So we'll do the rock. Star Trek four. Does Doubtfire you had where? Doubtfire has eight. That's three eight. Do we have anything else? Inside out, we have lower at six seven. Yeah. All right. So we'll do. Going to do Doubtfire at five, I guess inside out, and then we'll just go with your highest available. Number three, Bullet. All right, Bullet, it is. Cool. Uh, what's your next highest? Number four, The Conversation. Conversation, it is. Oh, nice. All right. Uh, next highest? Mm-hmm. Minus six. I think you take it. I think number nine, Last Black Man in San Francisco, is my next because we got Star Trek four inside out. The Rock and Mrs. Da- oh no, is Inside Out? Yeah, Inside Out's on there. It's number six. Okay, okay. we both already had it. All right, fair enough. The Rock and Mrs. Dalfar. So yeah, nine is my next highest. So go ahead. If it's six. Yeah. All right. Well, then I close out. Cool. 
with Big Trouble at 10. And that's all of them. That was easy. At least Big Trouble made it. There you go. All right. The top 10 films set in San Francisco. Yeah. At number 10. Big Trouble in Little China. At number nine. Rise of the Planet of the Apes. At number eight. The Conversation. At number seven. Bullet. At number six. Inside Out. At number five. Mrs. Doubtfire. At number four. Star Trek Four. The moment, uh, yeah, the uh, yeah, never mind. All right. At number three. The Rock. At number two. Vertigo. And our number one film set in San Francisco is. Is Zodiac. Zodiac. Are you the killer? Are you the killer? Uh, there you go. Uh, all right. Thank you all so much uh, for joining us. And uh, we got to get into these shout outs, right, Matt? Is that what's next? Yeah, we'll do the shout outs and then that'll be the show itself. And uh, this is for everybody that supports us over at patreon.com forward slash the top 10 with the number 10. At $5 and above, we give you a shout out at the end of the month. Is our way of saying thank you for supporting us. And uh, you ready to start? Uh, I got to bring up the numbers app. I always forget that it's through the numbers app. It's so weird. Uh, yeah. What, do we download it? Oh, here it is. Okay, cool. Let me bring it up real quick. All right. I'm good. Okay. Uh, starting this off, okay. uh, it's either Steve or Stev uh, Moreno. Okay. Um, I'm going to say Jarhead 9555. I think it's. All right. Sprizzle. Dan Howlin. Oliver Madrill. Mike Boder. Scott G. Collins. Steve Smith. Uh, Roby. Pele Cole. Deepak Maurer. David Steffen. Andrew Robinson. Francisco Ramirez. Michael Bauer. Colton Thompson. Callie Spurl. Lockley Skinner. Oh. Uh, Charles Kim. Fred Castillo. Charles J. Clark. Uh, Zachariah Kaufman. Jeff Dickin. Connor Teal. Michael D. Dyke. Tim Reimert. Eric Bruin. Matt Simmons. Jeremy Bowers. James Petty. Nick Francis. Christopher Brockman. Blake Gaunt. Cameron Chapman. Alex Russell. Paul Cree. Stacy Flores. Kristen Kurtz. Gareth Weldon. Timothy R. Williams. Nick Baldwin. Shanae Taylor. Ahmad Ali. Darren Bush. Angela Dashner. Drake Fromsdorf. Josh Lawrence. Adelardo Fuente. Reagan Lovig. Rodrigo Verde III. Andre Constantinescu. Steve Schlockemeyer. Houston Bodily. Roque Orellana. Maurice Robinson. Brandon Caridi. Marlon T. A.Z. Badfish. Nice. Ravi Prasad. Josh Mabry. Josh Murphy. Josh Sachs. George Menchaca. Dale Varley. Ashley Prowls. Sam Fernando. Kevin Fuss. Brian Akins. Alexander Marzonia. Garth Wisenant. Mike Barrington. Noel Kelleher. Jim Payne. Andy Ortiz. John Keefe. Kristen Smith. Marcel Berman. James Trapani. Drew Enns. Dan Nye. Matthew Hassel. Andrew Marker. Chris Jones. Luke Larson. Chris Cabrera. Robert Haley. And Anthony Castlenova. All right. Well, our thanks to everybody that supports us. And uh, you can follow the show at Top 10 Show, all spelled out on Twitter. 
And on Instagram and YouTube, it's forward slash the top 10 podcast with the number 10. So please hit us up over there and you can follow me at Madnost. Check out my other show, Settle the Score. You can find that anywhere you get podcasts. And if you'd like to watch it, you can head to youtube.com forward slash Madnost. There you go. Uh, as for me, you can follow me at The Roca Says on Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok, The Outlaw Nation on Twitch. My own YouTube channel, youtube.com slash John Roca Says. And for you sports fans, we started the Game Time Sports channel. So go and find that one on YouTube as well. Um, and uh, my other podcast, The uh, Cinephiles, The Geek Buddies, The Hot Mic, and Strong Style. All right, that's it. Thanks so much for watching or listening. And we'll talk to you next time with another brand new episode of the Top 10 Show. Peace. Ooh.